The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Strongcast. I'm Paul Sullivan, joined by Mr. Carl Keller. How are we? And we have our very two special guests back from our boxing review the other day. We have Z, our main man down here at Strong Combat, boxing coach. How are we? Doing pretty good. Good stuff. And we have the technician, Mr. Jermaine Ortiz. Thank you for coming on and uh, getting into it with us. No, thank you, man. What's up? What's up to the fans and to the crowd? We here. We were just talking about a little bit of that New York weather. Yeah. <laughs> You you missing the snow? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> they got snow here too. If you want snow, they got snow. <laughs> That's here the too. best part about <laughs> yes. it. The best kind of snow is the snow that you travel to and you travel away from it. Yeah. yeah. Ski, ski Dubai. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that snow in there is absolute shit, though. I've never been there. How is it? Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's not the same, is it? No. No. Like I, I took my wife there to like do a little tune up because she hadn't skied in years and years, and we were going on a ski trip. Took her in there, and I was just sliding around everywhere. It was horrible. Okay. Like it's a hard snow. It's just like a bad skier always blames the snow. That's <laughs> so cruel. <laughs> know my background. Don't do this to me. Um, Go it's on, not, tell us how you're on like, ski it's like, team. It's like little ice chip pellets. It was a tough upbringing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's just real icy and shit. But I don't know. It's better than not being able to yeah. ski in the middle of the yeah. desert, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Carl's uh, college years in uh, skiing. We are here to talk about yours. Your boxing life, let's say. How old are you now? 25? I'm 26. 26? Yeah. That baby face. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it young. I'm trying, <laughs> to, <laughs> trying to keep it young. I'm trying to keep it as, as young for as long as possible. Hit and don't get hit. Yeah. When did you start? I started training, boxing training at seven years old. Jeez. Yeah. How did that come about? Like, we'll, we'll dive into your story from the beginning. Like, how did you get into so, it? How did it develop? <laughs> Always, like, as a young kid in school, like, I was always getting into fights. I grew up with my father, um, what they would call the projects. And just, it was routine every day after school. Somebody's fighting somebody. And I just remember one day coming home with a bloody nose. And my dad's friend pulled out some boxing gloves out his trunk. My dad lined up, like, ten kids from the projects. Let me fight every single one. And next thing I know, my mom signed me up to the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, my coach at the time, Carlos Garcia, was like my father figure, my mentor, my everything. Still is. And just took me under his wing. And I never left. How did that 10 fights go in a row? <laughs> it was good. I beat them all up. Yeah, I was just going to say, just, just 10 kids lined up against you. Your dad yeah. would have gotten in trouble for that one. Yeah, I beat them <laughs> like, all up. Beat them all up. So it was, you know, uh, definitely a rough upbringing, but... 
made me who I am, made me strong, yeah. mentally tough, uh, very gritty. And I think people could see that in my character and the way I train and the way I fight. Mm. Were you like natural? Like difference no. between fighting, right, in the project and I, I was going to say, I, I would say I was not natural at all. Like there's these young kids that you see them, they got skills, they look like the next Mayweather, whatever it may be. I was definitely not one of them kids. I was a little bit sloppy, more of a brawler, yeah. wild punches, but I practiced a lot. So the technician was something that was created, not... Uh, yeah, I wasn't one of them yeah. kids who was like naturally gifted with skills and just, you know, I wasn't doing that. I was, it took a lot of hours. I was in the gym literally from like two to eight, like six hours a day, Dang. just in the gym every day practicing. And all these years, you know, it's just a little bit of developmental, a little bit of developing as we go and just getting better and better and better with the practice. And this is where we are today. But definitely wasn't that. A lot of people say, you know, your natural talent is like, no, this is not natural talent. Mm -hmm. This has been all hard work. It's great. This is work outside the gym, in home, in the shower, shadow boxing, you know, in the supermarket, everywhere you go, just practicing that one, two and that pivot. And... It's been, that's how it's been my whole life. So nothing, nothing I have think when it comes to the sports has been natural. Everything has been uh, worked. So was it, was it, did it start out as a hobby or something like your, your dad tried to get you into to keep you out of trouble? Or was it always, this is what I want to do for my career. This is what I do for my life. This is the path we're taking. Um, it first started, I, to be honest, I just, it was a place I felt safe. Okay. You know, outside the Boys and Girls Club. I didn't feel safe. I was always like a scared kid. Uh, in the area I grew up, it was just like always like anxiety type of feeling. And at the Boys and Girls Club, I just felt safe. I was fed. I had mentors who uh, treated me well. I had people who taught me. Um, I had friends there. I was able to play. I was able to learn. And that's why I spent my entire day from after school till they was kicking me out. Mm -hmm. You know, um, as a young kid, I was supposed to be leaving by like six o'clock and then the older kids come in. I stayed with the older kids till eight, eight thirty, nine o'clock because I just never wanted to go home. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it was uh, my coach made it feel very safe. He was my, uh, my like my second dad, my mentor. He brought me close to God. And just the other boxers, too, they became my friends and looked out for me outside the gym as well. So it was a really good community mm -hmm. around me that protected me, fed me, and really became a family to me. And that's why I really stayed, because who would want to leave that type of environment to be back in an environment where you're just scared and don't know? Of course, that's your comfort zone. Yeah, like so that's, that's I remember running away from home, and I'll go to the Boys and Girls Club, and it's shut down, but I'll be safe the fact that I'm just on the stair steps. Is that club still there or not? Was it? Uh, the building where I started at is there, but it's abandoned. It's not there. They have they built a new one down the street, mm. and then you know I transitioned to that one. Yeah. You mentioned you used to like stay on when the older guys came in and stuff like that. Was that a bit of a? I'm sure they didn't let everybody do that. Was that more no. of like a rite of passage because of how dedicated you were, how yeah. much time you spent, your rapport yeah. with the guys? You know, obviously you put in more work, you get a little bit more respect, and they kind of. I'm, I'm assuming they saw that a little bit and. Yeah, it was just like that. Uh, everybody else, you know, had to kick, kick, get kicked out. And uh, some of the other people would try to be like, let's get this kid out of here. But 
uh, Carlos would be like, no, 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 let him stay. Oh, and while all the older kids were already training, I will just be like banging out 500,000 sit-ups yeah. on the bench while they're just doing their training because I did my training earlier with yeah. the younger kids. And I'm just there just watching and, you know, doing the extra exercises. If Carlos hadn't have been in your life, where do you think that would have led you? Like a lot of people, like I've, I've got a similar yeah. mentor where like if I hadn't have met this guy, I wouldn't be sitting here today. You know, like if you hadn't have met Carlos, where would you have seen yourself going? Uh, if it wasn't for Carlos, man, it's tough to say. Uh, I don't think I would have been in boxing yeah. for sure. I wouldn't have been in boxing because there's many times in my career where I wanted to quit. I didn't want to keep doing this. But my main motivation was to all the hard work and all the time that he spent with me mm -hmm. and with all the other fighters that it didn't go to waste. Something's going to come out of this. His hard work is going to be recognized. Um, and I'm going to get him what he wants because it was all, you know, for the love I had for him, so much love and admiration I had for this guy and what he's done and a lot of people in my community have for him. I wanted to be the one to take him out and to just kind of let him get all the rewards that has been accumulated over the 30 years of his hard work. And that's what really kept me to keep fighting. It's like, it's not even for me. I'm not even fighting for me anymore. Yeah. I'm fighting because I want to take care of the people around me. Yeah. And that's what really stayed. That's what helped me stay. Because there's many times I was like in the streets and just could have gone down the wrong path and was in the wrong path many times. And it was just always that voice. And it's like, I didn't want to disappoint my father. You know, if you have a strict father or whatever, you just never want to see your parents just look down and be disappointed with you. And that's how I always felt. I didn't care about my mom. I didn't care about my dad. I didn't care about nobody else besides the way he looked at me. Mm -hmm. And that was my main reason on becoming the man who I am today a person with morals, ethics, and just a respectful human being and staying dedicated and disciplined because he was very high on discipline. And uh, it's, it's cool what you say about your coach, though, <clears throat> wanting, to, excuse me, wanting to kind of bring it back for him because being a coach is one of the hardest things in the world. You have to be willing to ex you know, accept responsibility for losses and take no credit for wins. So you, you feel like you, you want to bring that back to them. You, you want to give them that credit and and show the world that he's done because it's going to bring him more wealth and more gratitude in the future. So that's, yeah. that's fucking sweet. Uh, I owe everything to that man. Um, to this day, you know, he's around and he always treats me the same. And one thing about him was that he taught me more about life and about God and principles than he did about boxing. Just imagine all the hours we're in a, in a day, you know? Of course. So there's so much about boxing, but he was... His main thing wasn't about creating the best boxer. His thing was about creating better humans yeah. in the world. So, and a good boxer come out of that, and it yeah. sure as shit did. <laughs> sure did. Z, where did did you grow up? Similar area? No, where, where I, I did not grow up in a similar area. I moved to Worcester County much later in life. Actually. Okay, I grew up. Uh, I, mean, I spent time in Saudi Arabia, Toronto, the Marlboro. Then I moved to Worcester County. But, but I know I can resonate with that because when I moved to Worcester County. I heard about Carlos right off the bat. Like this guy is, is one of the major contributor into keep or keeping the youth in a good place. Mm -hmm. So for the boys and girls club, even I knew about Carlos. Like Carlos is one of the most respected guys, and actually one of his technical coaches now, Rocky Gonzalez, was trained by Carlos. Mm -hmm. So actually, the past few fights, it's whenever I see Rocky, Rocky is the guy who taught me as well. And Rocky always tells me like, my credit goes to Carlos. So it's just 
you know, it's you, a lineage. Yeah, yeah it's a lineage. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy. Very cool. So, where talk about then your training, your spending those years developing. When did you get into sort of the amateur scene? So, I got, how long I got, in, that? I got into the amateur scene over there in the US. You have to be eight years old. So, by the time I was like eight and a half or close to nine, I had my license and was getting my amateur fights in. And my coach, he put me in with everybody. <laughs> Older, bigger, all of it, where I was looking at him, I'm like, you crazy? Like, <laughs> but I would win. Yeah. And he encouraged that that in me where it's like, even now, like I'll fight anybody, don't matter. But he's been raising me like that since I was eight years old, you know, um, fighting all types of dudes. Uh, I was 14, sparring with professionals. Like he, he did it all with me. And that's why I am the way I am. Yeah. Um, but uh, the training, it was, I remember, you know, I used to watch a lot of them Rocky movies. What is his name? John Van Damme. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Jean-Claude Van Damme. All the types of fighting movies I would watch. And I would just be in my home fighting like that. Yeah. Like, with my friends, just like, we fighting. And I just love to fight. Me, naturally, since a young kid, before boxing, during it with movies, I was just, I just love to fight. Yeah. How many kids were in the boxing program at Boys and Girls Club? Ionic Ave, the old one? Yeah, yeah, the old one. Um... Man, we had Edwin Rodriguez come out of there. Was he part of the older group? Yeah. He's part of the older Edwin group, Rodriguez. Yeah. I don't know. There was a lot. There was a lot of kids. A lot of talented kids. Yeah. Kids. The newer Boys and Girls Club had less, but we had a very good team as well. Probably like a team of like 10. 10 good fighters that we did a lot of traveling together. Uh, it was a good group. And sadly, like I'm the only one from the original Boys and Girls Club left still fighting. And... Even from the new Boys and Girls School that got made, I'm the only one still there. Where is the new one again? They turned, uh, it was on the bottom of Kilby Street. Oh, yeah, they yeah. They changed it yep. to the Boys and Girls Club way. Okay, okay, yep, yep. And I nice. Now, how old were you when you, made your now, <coughs> how old were you when you made a professional debut? 20. 20 years old. It was, uh. So you've racked up quite a few wins and just yeah cares. i had i had a uh, amateur fights i was 100 wins like 14 losses i turned professional right it's after wild how many amateur fights in it <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh 114 fights i turned professional after the olympic trials i i lost in the semifinals to uh gary russell he went to go represent usa for the olympics and then after that uh, me and my my team we decided to turn professional. That's where it all started. Nice. And so, f- your what's your record now? Fourteen and one. No. S- sixteen one. Sixteen one and one. Yeah, 16, sixteen one and one. one. Okay, that's a lot of fights in six years. Eighteen. Uh, three a year. About three a year. Yeah. Sorry. And as obviously, I had one year where I only had one fight for the whole year. That was like my slowest year. It was like I had five fights. I think the first year. Four fights the next year, three fights, two fights, one fight, and then I went back up to having three fights. Yeah. What's your uh, What's your highlight of all of all of them fights so far? My highlight out of all them fights, I would say it has to be the last one. Yeah. When you say highlight, like what do you mean? <clears throat> Anything. What stands out for you? What was like? What's my the, last the one. feeling of the first professional fight when you're walking out? Like what, the feeling, obviously, I was a 
a bit nervous because in the professionals, it was the first time actually people had, had people come out to support me. Mm. As an amateur, I never had people come out to support me. I never really had mom, dad, or family like come and watch my amateur fights. It was just me, my team, my coach, and probably the parents of the other team members. Mm. They were the ones that were really supporting me. I didn't have friends, family supporting me. So when I made my professional debut, I had family come out. I had friends come out, support. So that was different because I never had people, I never really had a, what's that word called? Um, pressure or just that feeling of having to prove myself yeah. to anybody because it was just always me, somebody else, and there ain't nobody who really cares about me. Like those were always my thoughts. And then it's like, now I have people who actually care about me coming and spending money to watch me win, yeah. to watch me perform. So that was the first experience I had that as a professional fighter. And then from there, just they kept coming, they kept coming, and they've been consistent. So I'll give a huge shout-out to my fans, my friends, and my family who's been supporting me since day one and all the new fans that once they heard about me, they've been supporting me. So I really do appreciate it. It means a lot. Um, so that was the first fight. And then after that, it was just let's get to this world title. So it's been a world title chase ever since then. Yeah. Yeah. What was Madison Square Garden like? It was great. It, it was a dream come true because I, everything I've said, I've done it, and everything also I've said like has came true. So I think that's more the beauty aspect of it. Before, like my professional career is like, all right, what's next? What's next? Like we're nowhere close. Like the goal is not to just be pretty and fight good and to win and to just look good in front of my crowd. But it's to get a world title and to be the best fighter in the world. And that was my mission and motivation since day one, since the, my professional debut. And on that was just like, who can we fight to keep getting ranked? Let's get these belts. Let's do whatever we have to do. Go on other networks, whatever it may be. I'm trying to be world champion. Where do you see yourself now on that trajectory? Like, how far off of that shot are you, you think? I could be one, two fights away. Yeah. One, two fights. If I would have won my last fight, I probably would have got it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, one, two fights away. Talk us through that last fight. Last fight, uh, man, it, it's, it's so surreal because... Was it unanimous I, decision? Yeah, yeah. I was... As I was boxing... And Lomachenko came to the professional scene. I immediately became a fan. Yeah. And my coach, he he put me on to the Cuban boxing, to the USSR type of boxing, their training methods, and all that. So I was always already in tune with that side of the world. And I used to watch him, imitate him, do all of that. And I remember saying, like, my coach would say, oh, I have to pay my taxes, so I'm going to go take a fight with Lomachenko. <laughs> Just fooling around. I'm like, nah, I want to be pound for pound. Because I used to look, I used to, one of my favorite fighters was Roy Jones Jr. And I remember him as the pound for pound king. And that's where I got the terminology from and always stuck with me from Roy Jones. I'm like, I want to be pound for pound. And at the time, Lomachenko was pound for pound. I'm like, if I want to be pound for pound, I got to fight the pound for pound champ. So... That was probably like my second year as a professional. And I always had that in my mind, like, I'm a fight Lomachenko. <laughs> Just last year, they called me in for sparring. 
which was a good opportunity. I'm like, okay, cool. And while I was there, I had one of my buddies with me, and I said, me and him, we're going to fight. We're going to fight. So a year later. Him. You got to spar him before you fought him. Yeah. Nice. I was in camp with him for five weeks, five and a half weeks. Um, one year later, exactly one year later, we're in the ring. No kidding. Manifest. Yeah. And uh, and the thing is about it being at Madison Square Garden, where my last fight before that was in Las Vegas, I'm like, all right, I haven't had a fight close to home in a while. Like, since I left home, fight was in L.A., Florida, Orlando, Florida, Kissimmee, Las Vegas. It's been a while that it was probably like, what, two years, two and a half years that I haven't been close to home. So I'm like, I got to get close to home. I want to go to Madison Square Garden. And this was right after my last fight. I didn't know what was next. Sure enough, everything came together. Did you feel the love in the building on that one? I did. I did. I was... Like, I would say it's been probably like... Let me see. Maybe three fights. Probably this year. In the beginning of no, of last year, 2022, where I started becoming more in the moment. Mm -hmm. More present. Because a lot of my career, you know, when you're starting up, you just you just want to see the end goal. Yeah, you want to get there. Yeah. You just want to see the yeah. end result. You don't care about what's going on now. You're not really happy with what you have now. You're just looking at how happy you'll be once you have everything you have. And that was really my mindset majority of my life. And the majority of my career is like, all right, what's next? What's next? Mm. I won, cool. No celebration. Just like, let's go back to the gym. Give me another fight. What's next? And then I learned to be more present, to really enjoy the fruits of my labor and to really enjoy what's actually going on because not everybody has this opportunity. Not everybody has the ability to travel or to be on TV networks and to be main event and to get uh, this, little, this little level of stardom and, and popularity. So let me just embrace it. Let me be happy for myself and let me just take a moment to be like, this is real. I'm in here. And I'm the I'm the narrator of my story, and I gotta look at it from a first person perspective, and not just in a trance state of mind where it's like, I just want to wake up and be there already. Yeah. And that helped me just take things in. It made me feel more full, mm -hmm. and be grateful for what I already have. And so with this fight, it was just everything slow, and I able to take things in, able to look at the crowd, able to just take my time and slow things down for a little bit versus my whole life was always just a, a race to the finish line. Mm. But it's about the enjoyment of the process that I got to fall in love I with. I think a lot of athletes are afraid to do that. Like they're afraid to take that step back and look at it in the present moment because they're afraid if they take their eyes off the prize, it's going to take away from their drive. Yeah. But you can use that as fuel, I suppose. Yeah, um, and I was at that state too where I was like, I don't want to feel like I've made it because I have not made it. So I think that's the confusion. You cannot make, look back and like, yeah, I made it and chill back and enjoy that, enjoy it in that manner where you still don't have a lot more to do. I know I still have a lot more to do. I have not got to where I want to be. I'm still not world champion. That is the goal. But to be in the moment outside the gym or just in, in the moment of the walkthrough it's different. You know, you, it, everybody's different because you have to have your mind in a certain state. You have to be mentally prepared and mentally strong. But I think those are one of my strengths is my mental, my mind and how it operates and how it organizes its thoughts together. So 
I'm able, I was able to, it took a long time. It took a very long time. Things don't just happen in a snap, but I was able to do that and still work hard and still have my eyes on the prize, but still be like, look, we're on a podcast right now. I'm at Strong Gen. I'm in Dubai. I'm able to do what I want to do, but it's like, all right, I'm going to the gym later still. I'm still going to mm-hmm. work just as hard, if not harder. Yeah. So talk like, obviously you're at Madison Square Gardens, you take it in, but you lose the fight. Yeah. How, obviously that's your first loss. How does that feel? Like, how do you, how did you get over that? Did it take a while? Was it like, right, I'll learn from this. What What's the situation? Because every time we've had people like from different sports, different backgrounds, a lot of them, like the, the greats, like the champs or people who then go on to achieve that like world champ status, whatever it is, it's like, yeah, it affected me. I felt shit, but I needed it. I've learned from it. I've developed from it. What What's that like process like for you? It was tough because I, I believed I won the fight. Mm-hmm. I really thought I won the fight. Uh, the world, the feedback I got was nothing but positive and they thought I won too. So it didn't make me f- seem crazy or like biased because the world thought the same thing I did and I rewatched it and I believe that won. But I understand the business of boxing. I'm not too much of an emotional guy, so the aspect of being emotional because of a loss or getting mad, that doesn't get to me. But I understand the business of boxing. And I was just a victim to it. Um, There's things I say I could have done different. But that's in the past, so I don't want to dwell on what could have, should have happened. I just take what I can from it. And obviously, I've made mistakes, and I've learned what those mistakes were, and I'm working on those things and making sure that I don't repeat those mistakes. Uh, But it just definitely made me work harder. A lot of people would be like, don't get discouraged. I'm not a... I'm not afraid of t- well, I'm going to get discouraged <laughs> because of a loss because I fought one of at the time <laughs> one of the chance. dudes who was my favorite fighters yeah. and I beat him in my eyes in the world and you think <laughs> I'm going to get discouraged? No, nah, like I I know I got a lot more stuff lined up and I'm working way harder cuz I know everybody's watching me and best believe I'm going to be better every single time I step in that ring. I feel bad for whoever you fight next. <laughs> <laughs> like it's going to be a f- that's going to be a bit heated. Yeah. You know, that day I'll never forget. <clears throat> At MSG, because even though it was a loss, I think it's a huge victory because Jermaine's, this is the biggest fight, the, the biggest fight that he's ever had. Going to MSG, which was sold out during a time of Russia versus Ukraine conflict, fighting one of the greatest Ukrainian fighters of all time. Jeez, I didn't think about for that. Or yeah. the people of Ukraine. So the whole Ukrainian neighborhood from Brooklyn came out to support Lomachenko. The first 12-round fight. First time selling out Madison Square Garden. Yeah. It's like you know, it's the thick, it's thick boxes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and to put that performance for a first whole round, it was it was a hell of a sight. And he definitely felt the love. I mean, he better have lost my voice for three days after that fight. <laughs> you know, it was uh, the whole Worcester came out to support. Yeah, now it was a beautiful one to watch. It was a great fight. It was a great fight for boxing as well. Yeah. You know, it was it was a very skilled. It wasn't just brawling. It was very high, high skill level fighting. Yeah. Mm. So a mixture of styles. Overall, it was a great event. Mm. What impressed you most about Lomachenko? I mean, everyone talks about his footwork. Like, even if you don't know boxing, if you don't like boxing, if you watch that man move, you're like, that does not look like a fucking mm. human. Like, 
what impressed me most about him? Yeah. As a person, like, aside from me fighting him and all that? No, as far as, like, pure boxing. You said you were a fan of him from the beginning. Oh, yeah. Uh, just the way he's able to be quick. Mm. You know, I think there's a difference between, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, as bodybuilders, you guys are probably educated in this. Uh, there's a difference between being fast and being quick. Mm -hmm. Explosive, and, fast you know, twitch, just natural, just ability to do um, I think he's very quick on his feet to get those angles and it was just very similar because I was always been a high volume puncher and he starts to uh, fatigue his fighters mentally. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I'm very big on the mind as well. And it was just a lot of similarities. You know, I like, I like relating to people that I don't have, we're not so different mm -hmm. that I could find so many similarities. And then it's like, well, we're already so similar in these aspects. What can I grab from you mm -hmm. and what can I practice and put in that's not gonna change me up so much where it's not natural mm -hmm. uh, but definitely just his movement obviously that's yeah. that's the main thing it's fascinating his angles his movement boom 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 didn't he dance or something like that his, like yeah his father took him out of boxing I think it was at 12 and uh, put him in Ukrainian dance school yeah. Like a lot of American football players will do that. They'll take, like, dance classes. Really? Yeah. I didn't know yeah, that. Absolutely. A lot of running backs as well. Why? For feet? Yeah. Well, for all footwork. Yeah. Agility. I was taking salsa classes, too, actually. Um, Why were you doing that? <laughs> for every reason. <laughs> <laughs> all, every reason. <laughs> all reasons. But a lot of it, too. Who was she? <laughs> <laughs> the cute, the, like I said, I would watch a lot of the Cubans, and boxing the cuban style of boxing you can it's like salsa dancing yeah. a little bit you know the footwork is very similar so just to be more natural mm -hmm. in my style of fighting and also to be a good dancer a, a woman loves to dance and if you can't dance you know <laughs> you're gonna have a hard time sometimes yeah all about the hips <laughs> so right <laughs> moving on from salsa what's next for you now what's that <clears throat> Like that manifestation this year, next year, what's the plan to get what you want, that world title? I'm looking to get another three fights in this year. That would be optimal, obviously, two minimum. Mm. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see where we where we go. Anyone um, you're looking at next? Man, a lot of these fighters are seem like they're already booked up. Mm. You know, they're already booked up, most of the main fighters. But obviously, I want the world title, so... If Devin Haney is available after Loma, that's exactly who I want. If he vacates and goes up, we'll see who we fight for them belts. Uh, Shakur Stevenson, we were supposed to get into a little scrap, but he got somebody already accepted the fight before it got to me. Uh, see, Davis, I think, will be a great matchup. Mm -hmm. We'll see. We'll see. Obviously, I'm looking at the top guys. You know, I'm a how up for how up for like short notice fights are you? How like, up am I? Yeah, like like if if you got offered one of those fights on like three four weeks notice, would you take it? It depends. Yeah, I think it depends. Um, I always look at decisions as as a team decision, because me as a fighter, I'm always gonna want to take everything. Yeah, because that's. Naturally, as you're a smart enough to listen to your team, though. Yeah, I'm yeah. smart enough to look at my team, and then there's times where, you know, your team knows you. Yeah. If they've been around you long enough, ten years, fifteen years, they know wh where you at. Yeah. They know where you your know? head's at. They know how much you've been training. Yeah. And then they can you can take the emotion out of it by just you know? asking. And them. it's obviously 
being on weight already, you know, not blowing up and yeah. stuff like that. So if if you, I feel like if you're good on weight, then you're pretty much in takes shape. Takes that variable out of it for sure. Yeah, it, yeah. it takes yeah. that variable out of it. We know that weight is a big issue, even when you have a full camp. Mm -hmm. So when you have a short camp, it just makes it all much harder. But if you have that under control, I think it's very possible and very easy. You stay in shape pretty much year round, yeah. don't you? Yeah. You were saying that was one of the reasons you're in Dubai. You almost like you said you've been a few times. You come over here almost to get into that like pre yeah, pre-camp situation and have a tune up. Yeah, yeah. I'm always training. Like every vacation that I take, everywhere I travel to, I find a gym and yeah. just working. Yeah. Mm. Just working. Let's look at a bit of your handiwork. Sergio, you got some of those highlight reels pulled up over there? Let's have a little peek at some of the some of the abuse that you've inflicted on human beings before. You're, you're that was my last fight in my hometown. That was the Palladium. I remember that. That was my pro debut. You have grown into your frame quite a bit, haven't you? Jesus. Love the power shots, don't you? <laughs> What's your ideal weight to fight at? What you mean, my ideal weight? <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because when I asked you last time you were in here, and no, I, I said, How much weight do you cut? Anyway, that depends. <laughs> um, By the way, that fight wasn't the. You, were, you opened up for Roy Jones and Mike Tyson. Tyson. Yeah. No way. Yeah. No. Um, that's, that's a hell of a locker room. I said probably like one. Because your last fight was what, 134, 134. Yeah, I weighed in 134, but my ideal weight class would be 135. 135. What do you when know? You, when you get down there, that pound makes a difference. <laughs> it does. Everything makes a difference. Everything makes a difference with that. Is there tolerance in boxing weight classes? Like, if it, do you get a one-pound allowance? Do you get anything? Um, or is it no. immediately penalized? You get, I think if you're less than two pounds overweight, they give you some time to drop it. Okay. Oof. No, thank you. It's just still weird to me, you know, like, knowing Jermaine pretty well, he's, a, you know, we're pretty close, and you see him in the ring as a fucking pit bull, <laughs> Right. And then outside the ring, he's a pretty articulate guy. Like, this is what I normally know about. Very, very soft-spoken, yeah. yeah. That, that's, but in the ring... Yeah. You also have I a very wise, <laughs> wise head on your shoulders. I've come yeah, across yeah. it with quite a few fighters, to yeah. be honest with you. Like, I mean, I got to know Alistair Overeem, and, like, I was I was coming up watching Alistair Overeem highlights when I was when I was starting my fighting career and stuff, and I absolutely loved the guy. And then I got a chance to meet him. I just thought I was talking to a fucking doctor. And, <laughs> and like, he looks like a Neanderthal, like... I got to hold pads for him, which was horribly hilarious. He's like, okay, we'll just go light, you know? And I started holding little pads. And I don't know if you guys have seen Alistair over him. The guy's like 6'4", oh, yeah, like 225. Yeah. He's huge. Yep. And then I was like, I got to see what those knees do. And this is like a press show. So I hold one knee for him. And I was like, go on. Right? <laughs> Hits me with that knee. And you see on the camera frame, my little body just go pew. <laughs> Fly right off the screen. Curiosity, though. So it's it's interesting to meet those guys, the yep. guys like yourself. And yeah, like you see him on TV. You see that, that 15, 20, 25 minutes of, their pure violence that they've been training for but you don't get to see them all the time and you don't get to understand what they're like outside where they've come from how they've come up their journey and that's what i find most fascinating that's why we do these it is indeed yeah it is indeed
One question for you. I like asking this with boxers, mm. fighters, right? Oh, shit. No, no, it's, it's, it's not. Is it weight-related? No. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. No, the technician. Yeah. Who gave you that? So. Because we've had some wild answers. <laughs> yeah. From where these things came from. from. Like, just one person on a comment, on a random thing, taking the piss out of someone to something else. Or they're just like, yeah, I'll stick with that. Put that in. Or someone <laughs> literally backstage is like, we need your name. And then someone's just said something. I'll go with that. <laughs> no, that that didn't happen with me. So, as a when I first turned professional, I didn't have no nickname. I never had a nickname growing up as a kid. Yeah. It's always just Benjamin, no family nickname, nothing. And probably like three years into my professional career, still no nickname. And <laughs> everybody's like, "You need a nickname." And I was working as a construction worker. I did carpentry for the union, and people always try to relate that, you know, like ah, the hammer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sledgehammer, yeah. you know. There's a guy named Clay the Carpenter Guida in MMA. Yeah, he was a carpenter. So yeah. Jermaine, two by two. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do something, you know. Wood, Woodman, I don't know. <laughs> the, Chop, the, the plank. Log, the chopper, <laughs> whatever. I always think I'm like, nah, that ain't me. Nah, the that chopper. ain't me. That ain't me. And I'm going to tell you a person that if I roll with something, it's because it's very authentic to mm -hmm. me. You know, it fits me. And I don't have to, like I was telling you er earlier about... When I find something to compare, like it has to transition very smoothly without taking me out of who I am naturally. And I was with uh, Jose Rivera, former three-time world champion. He's from my hometown. And we was, I think, coming from a training session. We was in the car and we was just talking and we was talking about that. I'm like, let me figure something out. Bop, 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 bop. We was talking. I forgot what we was talking about. And I was searching up synonyms. And I think the technician came, right? Because um, I was searching carpenter, probably something in that aspect, and I was searching synonyms. And the technician came about, and I searched up the definition. It was like a person very skilled or an expert in their craft. Mm. And I felt like that is me inside and outside the room. Mm -hmm. Because inside, that's who I am, very technical and very analytical about what I want to <laughs> do. And outside, I'm the same way. Um, at the time, you know, I was doing stock trading and technical analysis and just everything I do, I try to do it really good, really great. And I'm looking always at the technical things of of what I do, even in training. Like if I have my heart rate monitor on and I'm keeping track of all the rounds that I do, the punches that are being thrown, just data. Mm -hmm. And stuck with me and other people felt natural to them to be like the technician. I like it. Never got negative feedback from it, and it's unique. And it's that's why I ask that question, Carl. <laughs> you get good answers. <laughs> Although two by two or the chopper would have been that. <laughs> ledger. Oh, God. <laughs> right. Well, we hope this year goes well for you. Thank you, man. Thank hope you. Hope to see you in the ring in that in the next sort of three four months. Get that fight. For sure. Deserve, and uh, yeah. hopefully, I'm I'm back in before June. Yeah. Definitely. Anybody you want to shout out? We'll, we'll obviously, in, in the bio and everything, we'll put all your social media tags and everything in there. Anybody you want to shout out? Anybody, anything sh people should follow? Anything? I don't know. If, they, if you got my social, you already know. Jermaine Ortiz. Uh, shout out to y'all, though. You know, I appreciate y'all for having me on here again. And what you always guys up, do. My, my guy, Azar, you know, is always taking care of me. And just Dubai in general, I get so much love and support out here. So Good. I love it. And uh, we'll have you on again after your next win. 
Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Maybe you'll uh, get a fight out here in the Coca-Cola Arena or somewhere. The big old fat Maybe. belt sitting on the table right there. Big old fat belt, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta bring them. Next time I gotta bring my belts. That's yeah. Exactly yeah. Gotta you gotta do, do that. Yeah. yeah, line them up. To be fair. If, Ed, if Eddie was here, he would have bring. Oh, yeah. Eddie brings the belts everywhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, my uncle, he, he carries yeah. the belts everywhere. <laughs> the proud uncle. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thank you very much for coming on, mate. Much appreciated. And, no, uh, like we said, hope you all the success this year and onwards. So, Z, thanks a lot for coming on. My pleasure. Carl, always a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> right thanks for tuning <laughs> thanks for tuning in to strong cast like say like subscribe get down in those comments below follow jermaine on his socials and we'll see you next time goodbye Ta-da. sports social podcast network